We're going to get right on into it. Heavenly Father, we bless you today, and we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity just to be in your house again. Thank you, Lord, for your favor over our lives. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. And thank you, Lord, for being merciful to us. And, Lord, we pray that you would have your way tonight. I ask, Lord, for that anointing to preach and teach as you desire. And, Lord, we all ask for that anointing to hear and receive all that you have for us tonight. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. We ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody says, well, glory to God. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 17, we're coming back into this passage where we were at earlier today. There's a warning from the apostle Peter. This is the last epistle that he writes uh, that the Holy Ghost records. And um, it's the last one the Holy Ghost authorizes. And anyways, at the very end of his epistle here in 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter says, beware. And I don't know about you, but I don't really need to look up the definition of beware. I don't need to go to different translations of the Bible and see how it's said. Look, the word beware means watch out, right? Watch out. Be careful, right? Watch yourself. Many of you know that, that one of the most important things we can do as children of God is to heed his word. Heed his word. As any, any child, as they grow up, the most important thing they can do is heed the instruction of the Lord and of their parents. And as we're children of God, it's the same way with us. It says in verse number 17, you therefore, beloved, so we're talking to the church folks. How many of you church folks in here? Amen. Change messages if not. So. Okay, we got church folks in the house. Okay. You therefore, beloved, seeing you know things before, beware lest you also, being led away with the air of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. What I want you to see is that there's a warning, there's a, a, a word of warning from God to us to watch out for the air of the wicked. The air of the wicked will lead you astray. You need to know that. Amen. How many? I got, I got everything straight. Well, you know what? The air of the wicked can lead you astray. And how many of you know that the enemy's been around longer than you? Right? He's cunning and wise. We're not ignorant of his devices, but he's cunning. And just like with Eve, Eve was, was brought down. Eve... Eve sinned through the cunningness of the enemy, right? So one of the things that happens we see here is that this word, the heir the of the wicked, I'm really diving down into that, and there's three places in Proverbs 15 where you specifically find the heirs of the wicked. And you see it played out in the sacrifice of the wicked, the way of the wicked, and the thoughts of the wicked. Turn with me over there to Proverbs 15. We'll pick it up. And we're going to move down into this here directly. Proverbs chapter 15. I want you to see this. Verse 8, 9, and 26. Verse 8, 9, and 26 of Proverbs 15. You see these three. Now, Peter talked about it. He characterized it as the error of the wicked. If you don't watch out, these things will lead you astray. No matter how sincere you are. You can be led astray by the air of the wicked. First one is the sacrifice of the wicked. And we touched on that today. 
there's only one sacrifice that makes us right, and that's Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross. Amen. But there's an ecumenical movement. There's a last day's religion that's moving in, and, and it's, it's you can have your Jesus, and I can have my Buddha. You can have your Jesus, and I'll have my Muhammad. You see, the, this ecumenical thing where you can have your religion, and I'll have mine, and we'll just all meet in the middle somewhere. That's, that's an ecumenical lie from the pit of hell. Jesus said he's the only way. He said there's no other way to the Father but through him. So Jesus is the be-all, end-all of authority. He said he's the truth, okay? And so whenever it comes to the Word of God, Jesus is exclusive. He exclusively claims that every other religion is a lie. Amen. Every other religion is a lie. Jesus said it, not me. That's what whenever I tell people, it's like, you know what? I'm bound to believe what the book says. And Jesus said it in red letters that he's the only way to the Father. And so no person's going to go to heaven unless they turn away from every other religious experiential thing, every other sin, every other thing, and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. So the sacrifice of the wicked is whenever you begin to diminish, whenever you begin to bring down Jesus. Amen. Jesus said if he's lifted up, he'll draw all men. We have a church world today that lowers the standard of Jesus, lowers the authority of Jesus, lowers the integrity of the word of God, lowers the power of God in the world today. They lower these things. You can see it played out. A lot of our churches no longer have pulpits and crosses. Some of our churches are even ashamed of their name on the front. You you don't know whether you're walking in a church or a soup market. Amen. It says in verse 8, the sacrifice of the wicked is abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. That's a positive. The way of the wicked is an abomination unto the Lord, but he loveth them that follow it after righteousness. And then in verse number 26, this last error of the wicked, the thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord. But the words of the pure are pleasant words. I want to talk to you tonight about the thoughts of the wicked. One of the things that we see that the enemy uses in spiritual warfare is he uses thoughts implanted into the child of God in order to derail them from being who God's called them to be. The mind is that battlefield that Satan launches the fiery darts in. The Word of God says to take up the shield of faith and quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. God doesn't have to take up the shield of faith for you. He commands you to take up the shield of faith and quench every fiery dart of the wicked one. God gives you the ability. He gives you the authority and he gives you the command and he gives you the shield. But he said, you got to do it. Now, if you don't take up the shield of faith, I want you to know that the devil knows how to strike. Your hope, your hope is to take up that shield of faith and do exactly what God told you to do. Amen. Now, sometimes we miss, sometimes we get lackadaisical in our faith, and we allow the lies of the devil to begin to corrode our minds. We allow the devil to begin to corrode our thoughts. We allow the devil to begin to hit targets. And God has a way of restoring a person. But there's oftentimes a long road between those fiery darts landing and the operation of restoration. Amen. How many of you have been down that long winding road? How many of you have been down a road of unforgiveness, bitterness? How many of you have been down a road where you don't, you don't want to go again? Amen? And the enemy uses, at the beginning, the thoughts. I want you to see that it's the thoughts where the enemy first strikes. Amen. He doesn't, 
you, 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 see, uh, you, you see somebody sin, that sin conceives in the mind first. It goes in the mind, it goes in the heart, and then it begins to proceed out, and then it begins to become an action. Now, one of the things that we see here is that the, the, the thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord. So you know what the devil wants you to do? He wants to corrupt your thought life. He wants to corrupt your thought life. If he can corrupt your thought life, he's got you into this place where you begin to walk against God. Amen. Once you begin to allow the enemy into your mind and into your heart, you'll begin to find yourself opposed to God, not walking with God. The word abomination means it's a bad thing, okay? It's something that God detests. The word abomination is abominable. It's, it's horrible. It's something that God just uh, absolutely detests. It's detestable in the eyes of God. And it says the thoughts of the wicked are detestable, abomination to God. If the enemy could get you off track and have you thinking thoughts that are not of God, guess what he's got? He's got you at variance with the Lord your maker. And then he can bring in condemnation, he can bring in temptation, and he can bring in these things, and that's when lust begins to conceive. You begin to, you begin to think bad thoughts, you begin to get bitter, you begin to run people down. Oh, I know them, they're sorry, I know them, they're sorry. You begin to think these kinds of thoughts. Sooner or later, those thoughts will conceive into bad things. Amen? Those thoughts will conceive. Now, I want to tell you something. Turn with me over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to go through a few passages here tonight, talking about the thought life. One of the things that I love about the thought life is that God has so many precious promises about the thought life. Now, your mind is always going. If your mind's not going, I don't know what's going on with you. But our minds are always thinking. Even during worship, you can have people worshiping. I'm just like, right now, I felt like I was in glory. But undoubtedly, somebody's thinking, like, what color of gray is that? You know, those things happen. I wonder if my, you know, beans on the stove are burnt. Undoubtedly, somebody's thinking about something or, you know, why, why, why is uh, pastor like walking all over the place? I mean, you could be thinking all kinds of thoughts instead of being in the glory of the Lord. Amen. And it's those thoughts. It's, but God has so many precious promises about, about the mind and about that battlefield. And I want you to know God, God understands our, our issues. He understands where the battle is. And he's given, how many of you know that God supplies our every need? How many of you ever called on Jehovah Jireh? My God provides. Amen. I want you to know my God provides. He provides what I need. And, you know, if you really take a step back and you think the enemy first and foremost will begin to attack and war against the child of God in their mind. And you have to understand if God is a provider for your every need, he will give you provision to battle against the enemy in your mind. Amen. Amen. I want you to know that God has a better a better way. OK, so we're in Second Corinthians chapter 10. Look what it says here in verse number three. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. One of the, my favorite quotes of all time from Leonard Ravenhill, I got to insert it right here. I haven't quoted him in a while, so forgive me. But he said, if your enemy has a social security number, you have the wrong enemy. 
How many times do we get led off straight because we begin to think, that person's my enemy. That person did me wrong. No, that person was used by the devil. You have a higher enemy. They got a social security number. It's somebody God wants to save. Amen. Amen. So stop tearing them down. Stop running them down. Stop picking them apart. Stop hoping that they trip and fall and break their nose. Right? In other words, we need to look at things through the spiritual lens. Right? We, we walk in the flesh, but that's not how we war. We war on our knees. One of the things that the Lord spoke to me in prayer was, the battle belongs to me. Prayer is how you put it in my hands, son. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I can go on my knees and give this over to God. All he really needs is for me to not put my grubby hands on it. Amen. Whatever the issue is, the battle belongs to him. He says here that though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. My first question to you is, if you're warring in the flesh, you're already on the wrong road. That no good, low down, dirty, rotten pastor. Your enemy does not walk in flesh. Your enemy is a spiritual enemy. Okay, so though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Here we go, verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty... How many of y'all need a working definition for mighty? Enough. Weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. That's the thought life. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity Every thought to the obedience of Christ. I want to stop right there for a second and just show you. God is giving you and me, as a child of God, the ability to pull down every stronghold that comes against you. You know, there's no stronghold that you can't tear down in Jesus' name. There's no greater power than in Jesus' name. He said, all power in heaven and earth is given to me. Amen. The power is in his name. And one of the things that God commissions us to do is to take those imaginations, those things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. You know what that means? Whenever the enemy brings a thought into your life that runs contrary to the word of God, you've got to seize it. You've got to grab hold of it. Amen. I, I love sometimes whenever I'm waiting on kids at school to get out, Right here, the police officer, man, they'll get these guys. When they go over 15 miles an hour, they'll get them. Boom. You get somebody going 25, that police officer seizes them. I mean, as soon as he sees them, boom, he got them. And one of the things that we need to do as children of God is we need to recognize. You need to be in the Word of God. You need to get in the Word of God so that you can know the Word of God. How many of you know when you know the truth, the truth will what? Make you free. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. We don't operate by feelings. We operate by the Word of God. You need to get the Word of God in you so the Word of God will come out of you. You need to know the Word of God. 
And so one of the things that we see is it, when you know the Word of God and you have that working knowledge of the Word of God and then these thoughts come into your mind that shouldn't be there, you say, no, that doesn't jive with the Word. That doesn't fit with the Word. I've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So you know what? If the nuclear bombs roll out, I'm not shaking like a leaf. Come on now. Even if America falls, even if all-out World War III breaks out, our job remains to preach the gospel to every creature. Amen. Our job don't stop. Now, it may change. It may not look the way it does right now, but I'm not given a spirit of fear. I've got a job to do, and I'm going to do it till the day that the Lord calls me home by the grace of God. But whenever these thoughts begin to invade your mind, you've got to seize them and bring them, it says in verse number five, bring them into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So let's just say like this. If somebody has a thought of, of stealing money, you see, a, you see a, a, the money truck at the bank and the back door's open and nobody's there. Hallelujah. I can pay off my mortgage. Pay off my mortgage real quick. Just lickety split. Nobody will see it, right? But then you've got to take that thought captive, right? Because no thief's going to enter into the kingdom of God. So you've got to say, what you've got to do in that circumstance is you've got to say, Lord, in your word you said that no thief will inherit the kingdom of God. And therefore, on the authority of your word, I reject this thought in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. That's how I take it captive to the obedience of Christ. And in that manner, I've destroyed that operation of the enemy. Because I want to tell you, if you allow that thought to remain, if you go, oh, I'm not going to steal a bank. I'm not going to steal from a bank. That's crazy. But if you don't take it into the captivity of Christ, it'll remain under the surface. Remember, it's a spiritual war. It's a spiritual war. It's a, that's a fiery dart from the devil. And he'll begin to wear upon you. He'll begin to wear upon you. Oh, boss isn't going to give me a raise. This pen looks mighty nice. He will never know, right? I deserve it. He should be paying me more anyways. It starts small. The devil doesn't really care how big or little it is. He just wants to bring separation between you and the Father. He just wants to bring you over into this place to where those fiery darts begin to hit. And sometimes you'll see the big lie, right? Like, you know you're not supposed to go on a killing spree. But hey, this little pin? Well, murderers and thieves are in the same category. Somebody, come on now. Liars and fornicators, same category. Gossipers, witchcraft, same category. You give yourself over to those things, bitterness, unforgiveness. You give yourself over to those things. The enemy doesn't care how small that fiery dart is if he can just get it to land. Amen. So we have a job to do. One of the things, the first line of defense is the Word of God, discerning of the Spirit by the Holy Ghost. You need to be able to take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ, whatever it is. If I... If I 
Look, there's a reason why I don't listen to talk radio. There's a reason why I don't like watch the news all the time. Somebody told me the other day about the UFOs and stuff and all this kind of stuff. I didn't even know anything about it. But, you know, there's a reason I don't because if you begin to if you begin to consume that kind of stuff, I want to tell you, fear will begin to take over your life. You cannot have hour after hour after hour of fear mongering pumped in and the joy of the Lord come out. Joy of the Lord comes from the presence of God. Amen. So if you allow those things to continually berate you, continually come in, and you're not seizing those things and taking those things captive, it'll begin to wear you down. You'll begin to look at things in a skewed way. I want you to know God wants to save Democrats and Republicans. God wants to save red, yellow, black, and white. Amen. We're all precious in His sight. He died for each and every one of us. Amen. We all needed the same amount of bloodshed for us. We're all as worthy as one another in the eyes of God. Every person, God said, preach the gospel to every creature. He didn't make any delineation between whether they had big noses or little noses, red hair, white hair. He didn't make any delineation in whosoever. He said, preach the gospel to every creature. Our job is not to get caught up in these little side things. It's not going to matter a hill of beans. When we get over there to glory, what the tax rate was while you were on earth. Somebody say amen. It's not going to matter a hill of beans how much savings I had. It's not going to matter the inflation rate when we get to glory. We're going, come on somebody, we're going where the streets are made of gold. We're going to worship around that glassy sea. We're going to worship where there's no need of the artificial sun up there. Because the glory of the S-O-N will light the place up. We're going where there's, there's no yesterdays and no tomorrows. It's just an eternity of the presence of God. That's where we're going. Amen. Where we're going, there's no tax rate, no inflation rate. There's no political parties, nor monarchy. It's just the kingdom of God. That's where we're headed to. Amen. Hallelujah. We can't get there a day too soon. It's coming. Amen. It's coming, saints. But one of the things that we've got to do as the children of God is take a step back because you're being, you're being invaded with all of these thoughts from the wicked one because he desires to get inside of you some thoughts of abomination to God. Peter said, beware lest you be led astray with the air of the wicked. And see, you don't start out that way. But he's launching those fiery darts to get you off. That's why he launches them. The devil hates you. The devil hates you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to derail you from the plan and purpose of God. But I want you to know God's got a plan and purpose for you. But one of the things you've got to do is obey his word. Jesus said, if you love me. How many of you love Jesus? Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. Amen. If you truly love Jesus, it's one of the, you can see all these movements operating in America right now, but uh, the, 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 the hippie, hokey pokey Jesus they got out there. But you know, it's all good to love Jesus, but if you truly love Jesus, you'll start obeying what he says in the word. So one of the things that we see here is that these imaginations, how many of you have ever had an imagination that's not from God? 
Amen. Ain't no shame in here. We just being honest with God. It's the first step to getting this thing right and getting this thing nailed down. And I want you to know God wants you to nail this down. I believe that the reason that the Lord brought these messages out is because we need to nail these things down for the day and hour that we live in. Amen. I'm not thus saying the Lord that Jesus is coming back today or tomorrow, but I know he's coming back soon. Amen. But I do know this. I know that the enemy is on the rampage. I know that the lies are increasing and fear is on the horizon. People are being given over to fear for many different reasons. Oh, George Soros and oh, you know, Joe Biden and oh, Donald Trump and, you know, people who just give over to fear. But I know this. God didn't give me a spirit of fear. He gave me a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Amen? I want some of that. Amen. Well, we're going to talk about that for just a little bit. One of the things that these imaginations do whenever they begin to invade, one of the things that it does is it begins to get you into a fleshly dominated thought life. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Well, let me say it like this. It'll get you selfish. It'll get you selfish. Most selfless thing you can do is share the gospel with somebody. And the most selfish thing you can do is hold back so they don't think bad about you. When you kind of relay these thoughts into even our working life, one of the most selfish things that we can do is keep the world in a carnal place. Look, you've got a bigger battle than to be at war with somebody about Republican and Democrat. You have a higher calling in life. Give your life to the worthy cause of the cross. Don't allow the enemy of God to steal you away from the plan and purpose of God for your life. The kingdom of God's got an army. Amen. Are you part of the army of God? Are you part of the army of God? Or are you part of a, a, an earthly army? For your group. Amen. We need to make that decision. And we need to allow our thought life to run incongruent with that. But, but one of the things that these imaginations do is it gets you into a fleshly, carnal way of thinking. In other words, it gets you stinking thinking. You begin to think negatively about people. How many of you have ever thought negatively about someone? That's the enemy. That's the enemy bringing division, trying to, trying to derail you from the plan and purpose of God. Amen. It is. Let me tell you this. When you begin to give yourself over to these imaginations and these thoughts that are not of God, what will happen is your thought life will begin to reflect the low standard of society. How many of you know society has low standards? Low, 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 right? I mean, it's getting lower by the minute. We're lowering the standards so much that before long, they, I mean, they're already doing, you know, surgeries, gender surgeries on children. This stuff in the last 10 years. And yet, the church won't speak about it. I mean, the enemy is on a rampage against the soul of this nation. The children of this nation, your children, my children, your siblings, my siblings, the enemy is at war for the soul of the nation, destroying those that were created in the image of God. 
and we have a church silent, all we can talk about is sow your seed. One of the things that we see is that these thoughts begin to invade. And if you give yourself over, you'll begin operating in that low current of today's society. You'll begin to throw mud when they throw mud at you. Oh, you didn't open the door for me. I won't open the door for you. You didn't call me. I won't call you. You don't like me? Then fine. I don't like you. God never called you to operate like that. Stop acting like the world. Stop acting like the world. If you're a child of God, be a child of God. If you're a child of the devil, be a child of the devil and repent and get saved. But it's time for the church to get it right. See, the devil is launching these fiery darts. He's launching these thoughts and these imaginations into the children of God to get us off track. This is a time we're supposed to be banded together, praying for souls. How many of you got loved ones that need prayer so they can be saved? How many of you know people that need a deliverance, that need the hand of God upon their life? They need addictions broken. They need, they need you know, demons cast out of them. They, they need a healing. They need a, they need a wonderful work of God. And then in the church, we've got sister so-and-so gossiping about sister so-and-so. We, we, we can't operate without operating like the world. Now, I don't know that that's going on in our church. I, I, I don't think it is. But it, it, it does happen in the church today. Are you with me? So one of the things that I believe that we want to look at real quick is in, uh, in Romans chapter 8. Let me show you this. Romans chapter 8. The carnal mind. How many of you know what it means to be carnally minded? You know, you can, you can find out a lot about somebody when you start asking them questions. That's one of the things that I learned as, as I've grown, you know, in the Lord. Is just ask people questions. And you can find out a lot about somebody. Who do they talk about the most? You know that even ministry can become an idol to people. Did you know that? How many of you know that ministry can become an idol? You start asking somebody about how things are going in their ministry, and you know what? They, they may not talk about the Lord. They may not talk about what the Lord's doing. How's things going with you? Oh, well, you know. Oh, well, you know. And you ask somebody else, how's things going? And they say, man, God's been so good to me. God's blessed me. I don't, you know, I'm not where I want to be. I'm not where I probably should be. But man, God has been so faithful in my life. He's been working in this situation and that situation. And I'm believing for God to do something in this situation. You know what's coming out of that person? Life. Well, you know what's coming out of that person? Spirit. That's what's coming out of that person. But when on the other, the shoe on the other foot, if you will. You talk to other people and, you know, how's things going? And they'll say, man, brother so-and-so, if they don't get their act together, I'm just going to have to, you know, just, I, I don't know what I'm going to have to do with that guy. And this one over here, let me tell you what this guy did to me. And that one over there, let me tell you what that one did. Well, that's carnal thinking. I remember one time me and Sister Lindsay were at a church 
we were on a prayer team, and it both hit us on the same night. It was on a on a New Year's thing, and we were on the prayer team, and people were coming to us for prayer, and I mean, not one prayer was like for somebody to be saved. Not one prayer was for somebody to be delivered. Not one prayer was for a move of God. Every single prayer was, I need a car. I need a new house. I need a promotion. It was all about carnal, temporal things that won't make a hill of beans on the other side of the Jordan River. It was all about nothing. Jesus said, don't worry about these things. Seek first the kingdom of God. All those things will be added. If God wants you to have those things, you'll have those things. God won't withhold anything that I need, but he's called me to first seek his kingdom. And it, both, it hit us both on that same night. We were like, man, this is not where we belong. It's not our crowd. It's not our folks. It was a carnal place. You know, carnal, carnally minded, you, you, and that's an exaggeration. I mean, not an exaggeration. That's an extreme circumstance, okay? That's an extreme circumstance. But if we don't watch out, if we don't watch out as the church of God, if we don't watch out, we need to take a step back and say, Lord, am, am I in this place where these carnal thoughts are controlling me? Because if you're operating in that carnal place, you're not going to be fulfilling the plan and purpose of God for your life. You can't do it. You can't have your cake and eat it too. My mama told me that. You can't play both sides of the, th of the thing. You can't operate in the carnal and have all the promises of God. It's one or the other. And as children of God, as, as, as sons and daughters of the living God, we need to sometimes take that step back and say, you know what, is, is the enemy wearing me out? Is my thought life really down that low to where all I'm doing is, is, is operating in this carnal realm? Oh, we've got bigger fish to fry than worrying about sister so-and-so not calling you back. Come on, somebody. We've got bigger fish to fry than, 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 than worrying about these, these, these things that won't matter on the other side of glory. Carnal realm. Inflation rate. Here, here you see something in, in Romans 8, verse 6. Well, let's read verse 5. It says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. There's a reason why some folks don't have these things, life and peace. It's because they allow the carnal thoughts to take over. It happens. It happens. But we have promises from God to defend against these things. Um. Turn, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to get to the answer, so just bear with me. This verse right here that we're going to read, you're going to find that this actually ties into the message that was preached this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. Shows you exactly how the enemy begins to take people off track. 
How many of you remember the sons of thunder in the Bible? James and John, the sons of thunder. And there was a town that pretty much rejected Jesus. And you know what they desired? Lord, can we call down what? Fire from heaven. Destroy them. Is that of God? These men walk with Jesus Christ Almighty. You can only experience him by the Spirit. They experienced him in the flesh. Wow. Walked with Jesus, talked with him, ate with him. They, they saw his mannerisms, they saw his miracles, they saw him walk on water. And they see a city reject him and they say, let's call down fire on them. They were operating in the carnal. Well, the flesh will always justify itself. Well, they rejected Jesus. They deserve it. The devil did the same thing when he was tempting Jesus. He didn't bring just outright lies. He just, he brought scripture out of context. If you're the son of God, you know, jump off this cliff. Word says it. You won't hit. So let's see it. I mean, he quoted scripture. And Jesus said, what? He said, it is written. He brought scripture back in context. He didn't. The the enemy brought lies to try to get Jesus to operate carnally. But Jesus used the word of God to bring it back where it's supposed to be. See, the enemy, whenever, whenever the enemy brings a lie to you, he'll oftentimes bring a lie that tries to justify it with a little spiritual windex on top of it. 2 Corinthians 11, look at verse number 3. Paul said this, he said, But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtly, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preaches another Jesus, that's like the Mormon Jesus, Jehovah's Witness Jesus, ecumenical, hippie, hokey, pokey Jesus. For if he that cometh preaches another Jesus whom we've not preached, or if you receive another spirit which you've not received, or another gospel which you've not accepted, you might well bear with him. You see, the, the thing that Paul's trying to articulate here is, is that Eve was beguiled through A very, very, very subtle word. Hath God said? Hath God said? Just very subtly. I mean, I know God said not to do that, but I mean, do you really think you're going to die if you do that? Did he really say that? Just that question on the word. And the enemy in our lives oftentimes... Well, when you have those thoughts of bitterness, unforgiveness, maybe lust or stealing something or having a drink after work or whatever, you deserve it. You've worked hard. You deserve that lust or you deserve that alcohol or you deserve to be bitter over that. You worked so hard. Nobody congratulated you. Be mad a little bit. It's okay. You, I mean, you, you, you are a red-blooded American, aren't you? Don't you have a little pride? 
Get mad a little. You deserve it. Stand up for yourself. Well, you're going to be a doormat. The enemy brings these subtle lies into the child of God. Now, once, once those thoughts come in and you don't take them captive through the obedience of Jesus, you know what the next voice is? Condemnation. See, I told you. See, I told you you don't love God. See, I told you. He brings condemnation right behind it. What does condemnation do? Drives you further from Jesus. That's what he does. And so his tactic hasn't changed from the Garden of Eden. His tactic has not changed since the Garden of Eden. He's subtle with you just like he was subtle with her. Just a little twist. That's why it's so important for you to know the Word of God and to be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's why it's so important for you to do those things. You have to know the Word of God or you're, you're, you're not going to have any instruction. You're not going to have any bearing. You're not going to know you're left from your right, you're up from your down. And you need the Holy Ghost so that you can have power and discernment. Well, he says he starts there with that subtle lie. And it, look at verse 3. It says, when that subtle lie comes, it says your minds will be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. See, Jesus, and the word simplicity there is, is talking about pure. Pure. See, the devil just wants to bring you away from the pureness of the message of Jesus. And we, I hammered on that one earlier today. We, we talked about how the, this current movement today is seeking to diminish the exclusiveness, the exclusivity of the deity of Jesus, that he's the only way to the Father. No person can, be, can go to heaven except through Jesus. You have to be born again through faith in him, right? You can't go through any other way. Well, that diminishing moves away from the simplicity of Christ. And that's when he says, then you'll be opened up to another Jesus, another gospel, and another spirit. You'll open yourself up to that. Amen. That's a very dangerous place. So what do we need to do as the children of God? We need to go back into Romans chapter 12. So turn with me over there. Romans chapter 12. This is where we got to get to. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 12, we've got to get our minds renewed. How many of you knew, know that you need to have your mind renewed? Yeah. Amen. We need to get our minds renewed. Popular verses. It's popular for a reason. Because all of us have war in the mind. It's popular for a reason because all of us have a war in the mind. We all recognize that. The first tactic that the enemy brought against Eve was in her mind, subtly, corrupted her mind. Verse 1, Romans 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. That's carnal thinking. Be not conformed to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In other words, if we as the church of Jesus Christ do not allow the Spirit of God to renew our minds, we're going to conform to the world. The world, is, the world is putting so much pressure on you 
I, I think whenever we get to glory, we're just going to be in awe of how much pressure was put on us. Amen. There is so much pressure on your mind, on your heart, on your will. The enemy is doing everything he can to destroy you. But I want to tell you, if you'll, if you'll run to Jesus, he's a strong tower. If you'll run to Jesus, he's a strong tower. So I'm hoping chariots and others and horses, but we're going to hope in the name of our Lord. Amen. We're going to trust in the name of our God. He's a strong tower for those that run to him. It says here that you're not supposed to conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind. You see, conforming goes from the outside in. It's from the pressure on the outside, and it bears weight upon you, and it begins to conform you to the way of the world. That's why people begin to respond in the flesh. Oh, there went my flesh. You're letting the world conform you, right? You hit me, I hit you back. You're letting the world conform you. But it says transformed by the renewing of your mind. That means when your mind gets into the Word of God and the Holy Ghost begins to renew you, begins to change you, it says you get transformed. That means from the inside. That word transform, it means from the inside out. What God does in a man, what God does in a woman, it starts in the innermost being of who you are. And he begins to transform you from the inside out. Religion focuses on the outside in. Don't smoke, don't drink, don't date girls that do. That's what I was told, right? Look, but don't touch. Okay, so you got to look, but don't touch, right? Religion focuses on the outside. God hits the inside. When you get a hold of God, he changes your innermost being. He causes that dead man to come alive. Amen. That old nature's gone, a new man comes. The Spirit of God causes someone to be alive. Amen. And, and from that moment, God begins to change a man and change a woman from the inside out. It's the Spirit of God. Paul said he's working out. He said, work out your own salvation, right? How many of you know Paul said, work out your own salvation. What does that mean? You've got to work out what God's working in. You've, when God begins to pour that new man out and that Holy Ghost begins to get poured out, it's for a reason. So you will be obedient to the Lord and obey the Lord and let that thing begin to work itself out. God will cause you to walk on the high places of life. God will cause you to walk on the high places of life. You know what, whenever, I, whenever the addictions that were on my life, I never had anybody say, you know what, to get set free of that addiction, you need to, you know, uh, you know do your fingers like this and, and, and go read this book and memorize this thing. And No, all I had to do is get a hold of God. All I had to do is get a hold of God. Once I got a hold of God, the Spirit of God began to work on the inside, and He began to change my desires. He began to change everything that I loved, everything I cared about, what motivated me, what I desired. And I mean, from the minute that, the, that, that I got a hold of God, those things were broken. Those shackles were broken. In Jesus' name. It wasn't a, it wasn't a man-made teaching that broke my chains. Amen. And it's not a man-made teaching that breaks yours. It's something that God does on the inside. And, and as children of God, we've got to go back to that place and be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Amen. From the inside out, God will begin to do that work. I want to encourage you today. God wants to do a work in you, in your mind. Because there's a war going on in your mind. There's a war going on in your mind. And the enemy's not changed tactics. He started out with Eve that way. He, start, he hit her mind. 
had God said, he hit the mind. And, and the mind began to move from there. God says, a double-minded person is unstable in all his ways. A double-minded person is one that may know some truths about God, but they have those carnal things going on. A lot of times we think about double-minded, and I don't know whether I should move to Utah or Nevada. Which way? Which way? I don't know. I don't know. That's not double-minded. Double-minded is when you're running in forward and reverse. When you've got some things going on spiritually and carnally at the same time. That man is unstable in all his ways. You don't know whether he's coming or going. You don't know whether he's condemned or convicted. You don't know whether he's going to heaven or hell. He don't know whether to hit somebody or pray for them. He don't know whether to preach to somebody or gossip about them. A double-minded person's unstable in all their ways. In other words, it, will you talk to one guy on Monday? You talk to him again on Tuesday. It's like talking to a totally different person. How is it we prayed for that guy on Monday and on Tuesday? You ready to rip him apart with your words? How is it on Sunday we lift our hands and sing, "Thank you, Jehovah Jireh, for." Meeting all my needs. And then on Monday, you still in your pen from your boss. Well, it is that season. You're, you know, cooking the books a little on your taxes. Those hit right there. Oh, they won't look at my taxes. God does. God does. Boss will never know I took that pen. God does. Why am I talking about those things? Those are, those are just little things. But you, they're visible. They happen. I'm going to close in Psalm 139. If you will, turn with me over there. Psalm 139. i got a few other places I wanted to go to, but I, I feel led of the Lord just to close right here. Hallelujah. Psalm 139. These last two verses. Again, just to reemphasize where we started at, Peter told the church in his parting words, his parting words, beware lest you be led astray with the heir of the wicked. Pro Proverbs 15 tells us what those heirs of the wicked are, and one of them is the thoughts. Look at this in verse 23, Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24, as we close tonight. David said this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting David is asking God to read his mail how many of you know how many of you have been around a prophet a guy like that where they they had the gift of 
discernment and that word of knowledge, right? They knew where you had been by the Spirit. They knew what you'd done by the Spirit. And you knew when you wasn't living right, you better not go around them. They're going to call you out in front of everybody. But you know, that's a, that's a, a temporal thing. God could call you out at any moment. God knows your every thought. He knows my every thought. And David here is just opening up, exposing himself to God, saying, Lord, search me. Try me, God. See if there's anything in me that's not right. That's, what's our word? Wicked. Wicked. That you're not led away with the air of the wicked. I want to make sure there's no wicked thing in me, Lord. Try my thoughts. Try my ways. And then I love the very end. Because David's like, invariably, you'll probably find something, Lord. And when you do, when you, when you find that thought, when you, when you show me that place, when you, when you put your finger on that thing, Lord, lead me in the way everlasting. New Testament context, lead me to the cross. Lead me to the cross. Show me my error. Show me where the enemy has made inroads in me. Show me where the enemy's made inroads. Those fiery darts have hit. Lord, show me where they've hit. How many of you know what blind spots are? I took defensive driving class like 10 times. I know there's blind spots in your car. Some of us have blind spots. You've been having so many direct hits from the fiery darts of the wicked one. But sometimes we're just so blind, we can't even see it. And that's why we need God who sees everything. It says in Hebrews chapter 4, everything is naked and manifest to our God. Lord, search me. Try me. See where these things are. And lead me in the way everlasting and bring me back to that cross. I've got to, I can't hold on to these things and walk with you. I've got to get these things right. I want to fulfill the plan and purpose that you have for my life. Bring me to that cross. Bring me to that cross. Bring me to that place where I can find forgiveness. Cleanse me, right? Word of God says, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to what? Cleanse us. Cleanse us. Of all those unrighteous things. Church, tonight, there's a way everlasting, and that way is Jesus. It's at the cross. And I don't know what's going on inside your head. I don't know the battles you're facing, but I know you have an enemy that hates you. And I know he loves nothing more than to launch a simple, subtle, fiery dart. Just to begin to war against you. To derail you from the plan and purpose of God. But if you'll ask the Lord to put his finger on it, the Holy Ghost will. And then say, Lord, when you put your finger on it, I'll bring it to the cross tonight. I'll bring it to you this day. Amen? Amen. Lord, we bless you tonight. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to hear your word. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness in our life. Lord, we ask tonight for the Holy Ghost to do a work in our lives. Search us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we can come humbly to that cross and receive all that we need to be right with you. Lord, I pray tonight 
Lord, if any person here needs, needs help, maybe we've had thoughts of fear. Maybe we've allowed fear to grab hold of our soul. Maybe we've allowed bitterness, unforgiveness, lust, envy, whatever the thing is, Lord, we want to walk upright before you, Lord, all the days of our life. We can't be carnal and spiritual at the same time. Lord, your word says the carnal mind is death. The spiritual mind is life and peace. Lord, there's life and peace at the cross. Lord, I pray as we open up these altars that you would bring life and peace to all those that are afflicted. If the Lord's dealing with you tonight, I want to agree with you in prayer. Just slip your hand up if that's you. I want to just agree with you tonight. Slip your hand up if that's you. Just real quick. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Anyone else? Say the Lord's dealing with you. Anyone else? Hallelujah. Anyone else? Hallelujah. Lord, you see the hands lifted over the church tonight. I thank you, Lord, for my brothers and sisters that are here tonight. Lord, I pray that you would help us in our spiritual battle, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that though we walk in the flesh, we don't war in the flesh. We war in the spirit. And Lord, we want to put the battle in your hands tonight. We want to come to these altars and lay down whatever needs to be laid down and ask you for strength, Lord. Ask you for strength. Ask you for cleansing. Ask you for guidance. Ask you for direction. And Lord, we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you're here tonight, you want to come forward to these altars. Maybe you just need to have a moment with the Lord and just clear the air or ask the Lord for direction. I want to ask you just to come forward and pray to the Lord tonight. If you want me to pray with you, I'll pray.